You're listening to a podcast appearing on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Welcome to the Pediatric Sports Medicine Podcast hosted by me, Dr. Mark Halstead. I cover current hot topics and recent research in the world of the young athlete relevant to healthcare professionals. This is the Pediatric Sports Medicine Podcast. Welcome to the Pediatric Sports Medicine Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark Halstead, your host. There are a lot of great topics and several research reviews we have planned for the rest of the year, and I'm excited about bringing those to you in the upcoming months. I really do truly appreciate your support and continued listenership. Recently, I was browsing through Twitter, and I noticed a debate in the athletic training Twitter world about whether icing is beneficial or not following an ankle sprain. And there was some pretty lively discussion there. There was discussion on both sides of the issue. So I thought it'd be worthwhile to do a little dive into the research out there and get everyone current on what we know about the role of ice following an acute lateral ankle sprain. But before we do that, I want to take a quick minute to chat about my summer adventures. I had to put a pause on recording as my family trip to Europe was actually supposed to happen in 2020, but obviously COVID had something to say about that. It finally happened. So in June, I was getting busy, getting the last things finalized, making sure we had everything in place for our travels. And my wife and three kids and I, we had an absolutely great time in Europe. We were blessed with literally only five minutes of light sprinkles of rain over the two weeks while we were there. I couldn't have asked for better weather. We went to five major cities over 15 days that included London, Paris, Amsterdam, Munich, and Rome. I would highly encourage any of you to take advantage to visit the world if you could do so. There are some truly incredible sights to see, but really some amazing people to meet. And I really loved talking with several of the Europeans, especially those that we had as tour guides while we were there. They really have an interesting view of our country. We're extremely kind in their discussions, but just didn't understand why we do the things the way we do, including our elections and particularly with guns. So it was kind of an interesting discussion hearing their perspective outside of the hubbub of the United States. And they really don't obviously have a stake in what's going on, particularly in our country, for the most part. I would highly endorse you getting tour guides for some of the major sites you may visit. It's worth the slightly added expense. It really helps you go deeper and understand things better. You know, examples, we had a guy take us around the Normandy beaches sites from World War II, and also a guide in the Vatican Museums. The Normandy guide, Francis Paz, who he was phenomenal. I would highly recommend him. I'll have a link in the show notes. He really gave some great perspectives of events at each of the sites we visited along with some stories to make it more personal visiting the sites. And our Vatican guide really gave us an in-depth look at the genius of Michelangelo and his paintings on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Without that, I think our brief look at a very crowded and hot room would have been very anticlimactic. Instead, it left us interested in learning more about Michelangelo, who clearly was an incredible artist, but also clearly had a great grasp of the Bible. But enough of the art trip. I could certainly do a podcast episode reviewing our places we visited. And who knows, maybe I'll get the inspiration to do that at some point in the near future. But let's talk ankle sprains and icing. Does it help? I reviewed the literature with searches for ice or cryotherapy and ankles and ankle sprains. And so those were the terms and the parameters I used in a PubMed search. So starting back in 1982, there was an article from Hocutt Jr. that was published in the American Journal of Sports Medicine. I wasn't able to get the full article because our institution doesn't allow us to go back that far without going and digging out the actual original article in the library, and I just didn't have time to do that. But this was a study of 37 participants. They were given cryotherapy, which was considered 15 minutes one to three times per day versus heat, also 15 minutes one to three times per day for a minimum of three days. Sprains were graded into five different categories, interestingly, but only two were used for the study. If cryotherapy was initiated in a sprain they categorized as a grade four injury, which was unable to bear weight due to pain, the cryotherapy, if it was initiated within 36 hours of the injury, the recovery was only 13.2 days. 
But if it was initiated after 36 hours from the injury, it took 30.4 days to recover. And if they applied heat, it took 33.3 days to recover. So this study from 1982 from Hokut actually suggests that cryotherapy for 15 minutes, one to three times per day done in the first 36 hours of injuries actually can significantly shorten your time to recovery compared to initiating it after 36 hours or applying heat. And that was 40 years ago that this article came out. I found another article in the Archives of Emergency Medicine in 1989 from Sloan. This looked at 143 patients presenting to the emergency department with an ankle sprain within 24 hours from the injury. Sports injuries accounted for 53% of the cases. 79% of the patients were male. And 50% were unable to bear weight when they came into the ER. They compared two parameters here. One was immediate application of a cooling anklet and elevation, and the other group had what they considered dummy physiotherapy with no elevation. And both groups were given an immediate dose of a fairly high dose of ibuprofen, 1,200 milligrams, and then they were given 600 milligrams twice other times of the day. And they were also given the option for a paracetamol, so this was done in Europe, 500 milligrams as a supplementary analgesia if needed. And then an elastic support was given to all patients. Seven days afterwards, 116 patients had been reevaluated. Soft tissue swelling was improved in 46% of the cold therapy group, 40% of the placebo group. The patient's rating of severity of injuries had improved by 88% of those in the cold therapy group, 79% in the placebo group. And the ability to bear weight improved in 36% of those receiving cold therapy, 29% of the placebo group. There was no difference in range of motion or reported pain relief overall. All of the measures did not reach statistical significance, but there was a trend that ice seemed to be better than a placebo in this particular study. Now, moving forward quite a bit, a study by Bleakley published in British Journal of Sports Medicine in 2006 was a randomized control trial. They had two protocols for acute ankle sprains. One parameter was icing for 20 minutes every two hours, which was considered the standard versus ice for 10 minutes resting for 10 minutes, and then icing again for 10 minutes every two hours, and that was considered intermittent icing. And the icing was done with water frozen in a baggie, and then they placed it under hot water for 30 seconds and then wrapped it in a moist, cold towel. And they followed these patients weekly for six weeks, and there was a total of 70 participants between the two groups that were analyzed. The only difference that was noted was the intermittent icing group. So again, this was 10 minutes of icing on, rest for 10 minutes of icing, ice again for 10 minutes, and then repeating again at every two hours. The only difference in that intermittent group is they had less pain with daily activity at one week post-injury compared to standard icing. Otherwise, there was no difference over the subsequent weeks looking at them for the total of six weeks. There was no difference in their functional scores through the study. There was improvement in swelling over six weeks, but no differences statistically between the two groups. And there was no statistical difference in reporting pain at rest. It does not appear that icing for 20 minutes every two hours versus icing 10 minutes off 10 minutes and then back on 10 minutes every two hours made a difference in this particular study. Now, if we look at another article that was a randomized control trial from Titley published in the Journal of Foot and Ankle Research in 2020, it looked at 41 participants with acute lateral ankle sprains, and they were assigned to in-clinic physiotherapy treatments and neurocryostimulation. So if you're not familiar with this, I had to look this up myself. It's gaseous hyperbaric cryotherapy, where a compressed carbonic gas is projected from a medical gun onto the skin at high speed. So I'm assuming that's kind of like your typical little cold spray kind of stuff. Or a group with the same physiotherapy with traditional ice application. So they had 20 patients in the neurocryostimulation group, 21 in the traditional ice group. They were assessed with a lower extremity functional scale, and then there was a secondary scale for pain intensity at rest and with their usual activities over the previous 48 hours. They were assessed at a baseline, at one week out, at two weeks out, 
four weeks out and six weeks out post-injury. The cryotherapy group was administered at the end of each physical therapy session, and there was no difference between the two groups in any of the study parameters, so it does not appear that the neurocryostimulation was any different than the traditional ICE group. There was a systematic review of randomized controlled trials on the effectiveness of cryotherapy on pain intensity, swelling, range of motion, function, and recurrence of acute lateral ankle sprains by Miranda that was published in 2021 in Physical Therapy and Sports. They only found two randomized control trials. Both were found to have a high risk of bias. Neither of those randomized control trials suggested any benefit of ice and cryotherapy on any of those things. So again, that was pain intensity, swelling, range of motion, function, and then recurrence of acute lateral ankle sprain. As an aside, as I was going through this, an article popped up that looked at ibuprofen use for acute ankle injury. This was in 1989 by Fred Berg. It was published in the American Journal of Sports Medicine. And they looked at 32 patients that were treated with placebo and then 36 with ibuprofen taken 600 milligrams four times a day for four to six days. All patients were immobilized and they were told to elevate. There was no difference between the groups in the size of ankle swelling, no difference on the needing additional pain medicines, suggesting that it was actually not a big influence on pain relief by using the ibuprofen either. Since we're talking about things in the athletic training world, I thought it would be helpful to kind of review a statement from the National Athletic Training Association, their position statement from 2013 that was with lead author Kaminsky on the conservative management and prevention of ankle sprains in athletes. They looked at various treatment and rehabilitations. I'm actually going to go through these various things and what they found the evidence categories. And just to remind you, as far as strength of recommendation for these particular categories, there's strength of recommendation A, which is based on consistent and good quality patient-oriented evidence. A strength of recommendation B, which is a recommendation based on inconsistent or limited quality patient-oriented evidence. And then strength of recommendation C, which is the weakest, and that's based on consensus, usual practice, opinion, disease-oriented evidence, or a case series for studies of diagnoses, treatment, prevention, or screening. When we look at each of these individual parameters of treatment and rehabilitation, I'm going to go through what the statement was and then what the evidence category was. So the National Athletic Trainers from 2013 suggest for treatment of rehabilitation, cryotherapy should be applied to acute ankle sprains to reduce pain, minimize swelling formation, and decrease secondary injury with an evidence category of, you guessed it, a C. That is what the Athletic Training National Athletic Training Association is recommending as cryotherapy. It should be applied to acute ankle sprains. Now, again, we can argue based on what I've gone through with the evidence so far, is that really worthwhile? It doesn't sound like it is, but we also have to remember we have pretty poor quality studies that have been done so far on this particular area. So we really don't have a conclusive answer as does it really make a difference or not. So if you're looking for an area ripe for research and an area that really probably could help, this is an area we see, you know, I think last time I remember there's 25,000 ankle sprains that occur every single day around the world. Why don't we do more research on this particular topic? Because it is something that can help us if we have a better idea of what's going on here. So, so again, things to think about as far as some low-hanging fruit for research. The second treatment and rehabilitation statement was compression should be applied to acute ankle sprains to minimize swelling. Again, evidence category was C. The next treatment and rehabilitation statement was the limb with the acute ankle sprain should be elevated to minimize swelling. Again, evidence category C. Now, there was a statement here, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs administered orally or topically reduce pain and swelling and improve short-term function after ankle sprains. And there was three articles that they referenced there. They had an evidence category of A. I obviously did not go through all the research studies that were here. 
one of the studies that we looked at, and I talked about at the very end, does not suggest that there's a big difference there. But I know there have been some other studies published. I did not go through all the anti-inflammatory research. But we have to remember, again, when we're talking about reducing swelling, NSAIDs, the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, doesn't make a lot of sense that it's going to improve the blood swelling from an acute ankle sprain. Functional rehabilitation is the next statement. Functional rehabilitation is more effective than immobilization and managing grade one and grade two ankle sprains, evidence of category A. And I would definitely certainly agree with that. And that's something that we talk about frequently in our clinic is we want to get ankles moving sooner rather than later. A joint that likes to be in motion wants to stay in motion if at all possible. So we need to get that thing moving sooner rather than later. The next statement, grade three sprain should be immobilized for at least 10 days with a rigid stirrup brace or below knee cast and then controlled therapeutic exercise instituted evidence category of B. Electrical stimulation can be used as an adjunct to minimize swelling during the acute phase of injury, evidence category C. So all the stim that's being used out there, there's evidence category of C. Next one, clinicians should refrain from thermotherapy during the acute and subacute phase of injury due to lack of evidence and the potential to exacerbate the injury, evidence category again C. Next statement, cryokinetics can be used to reduce pain and thereby allow early rehabilitative exercises. Again, evidence category C. Next statement is rehabilitation should include comprehensive range of motion, flexibility, and strengthening of the surrounding musculature, evidence category of B. Balance training should be performed throughout rehabilitation and follow-up management of ankle sprains to reduce re-injury rates, and that's an evidence category of A. And then passive joint mobilization and mobilizations with movement should be used to increase ankle dorsiflexion and improve function. And that's, again, an evidence category now of B. That's from almost 10 years ago now, from 2013, from Athletic Training World, your own organization, National Athletic Trainers Association, probably needs to be looked at for some possible revisions or maybe some modifications of those statements there. And I'm not going to side on one way or the other as far as whether or not we should be doing acute icing or not. Does that make you a good athletic trainer or not if you're icing or not? Afterwards, we have very limited research to suggest that there's maybe a little bit of trend that it can improve recovery rather than very conclusive evidence that it's going to make one way or the other and that it's really for sure that we have to be icing or not. You know, again, the whole RICE protocol, the rest ice compression elevation, we can look at that critically. And there there are some research studies looking at that just in the setting of acute soft tissue injuries in general. And there's still not a lot of great research suggesting the benefit of the RICE protocol, the rest ice compression elevation. So I think in the big picture of things, when people are putting things out there, statements, I think we need to make sure that we are taking a step back first. Going back and looking at the literature, which again, I know is hard. It's easy to have our own personal anecdotes as far as how we respond to things. I mean, I I freely admit I do that myself. There's no question about that. So I'm not reaching out or blaming anybody particular here, calling out anybody on Twitter because of that. Again, we I think we all fall trapped to that sometimes, especially when we have strong opinions about a particular area of things. But we have to remember a lot of the things that we may have strong opinions on are really truly just our own anecdotal evidence and not really research-based. It doesn't mean that it doesn't contribute to overall our practice of medicine, but in the big picture of things, again, we just need to take a step back sometimes and and question. There's no reason why we can't question. That's how good research comes about is we have a question. Hey, do we really know that this makes a difference or not? Go back and dig into the research, do a little thing like I just did and see what the literature shows. And maybe you are wrong. Uh, Maybe something that somebody told you was actually totally down the wrong way. Oh my God. Does that actually happen these days? Oh, uh, I think more often than not, we know that it does where people are making statements about things without good evidence to back it up. And so I think we just, again, need to all go back and look at things a little bit critically sometimes. 
So anyhow, I wanted to just take that little moment to give you a little snippet of something I saw on athletic training Twitter and thought that, hey, maybe I, I'll do a little research dive into this, see what we can find, see if we can answer some questions, put it out there so that you didn't necessarily have to do the work yourself. However, in the show notes, there will be links to each of the articles that I discussed. So you can certainly go back and reference those and look at those further. You can go to the National Athletic Training Association's position statement on the ankle injuries and what do we do for those and go back and look at the other statements that were there and take a look at those and go to the original reference articles that they used to find their evidence categories of A, B, or C for each of those things that I discussed. But I'm glad to be back behind the microphone. Uh, I will be having lots of episodes coming up, and I really look forward to continuing to entertain and educate you through the podcast world. Be sure to check out our podcast library at pediatricsportsmedicinepodcast.com. There is an updated website on there now, and we do have the ability. There's a, a better way and easier, quicker access to a form, so you can certainly leave us feedback. Send us some comments if you've got something you want to hear about something you just want to say, hey, you totally sucked as far as what you talked about, or hey, that was really good and we really liked it. We like that feedback. We like to get input. So we know what you guys want to hear about and we can cater the podcast towards what our listeners are really wanting to hear. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter at Pete Sports Pod. And I'm Dr. Mark Colstead, your host, and this has been the Pediatric Sports Medicine Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you will join us for future episodes. Find my entire library of episodes at pediatricsportsmedicinepodcast.com. I'm Dr. Mark Halstead, and this has been the Pediatric Sports Medicine Podcast.